is Marie at Liberty Bail Bonds. Your client Todd Lehman skipped and his bail is forfeit. That's the pink slip on your 79 Firebird, I believe. Sorry, Jim. Bring it on over. Welcome to 200 a Day, the podcast where we talk about the 70s television detective show, The Rockford Files. I'm Nathan Paletta. And I'm Epidiah Ravishaw. Today we are finishing uh, finishing our journey through the Meganverse mm-hmm. <laughs> with Season 6, Episode 5, Love is the Word. Yes, so uh, if you've just joined us now, uh, the last two episodes of our podcast have been about... Uh, well, the, okay, the previous episode to this was about the first episode that introduces the character of Megan. But on our podcast, the introduction of Megan starts two episodes behind uh, with the 1990s film uh, where she returns, right? So right. We, we're, we're watching it in kind of a random order. It can't even be reverse order. It's right. just... It is random order. Yeah, because, because we watch the show, you know, out of order, we have yeah. just happened to not um, run across the character during our earlier episodes. And I realized it's, there's two reasons for that. One mm-hmm. is we generally have been uh, judicious about when we do double episodes. And yes. the first Megan episode is a double episode. Mm-hmm. And then we also have been very sparing with our sixth season because there aren't a lot of episodes in the sixth season because yes. it's kind of a half season. And her second episode is a sixth season episode. There's a reason. Yeah, there's a there's a structural issue about how we approach our our viewing list that led to uh, skipping this character. And in fact, uh, last episode, the fact that it was a double episode surprised both of us. Mm-hmm. We were caught yeah. by surprise. Uh, so this will be our very first uh, Megan episode that is not double length, right? Because right. the movies are double length. So that's exciting. Yeah. And it's our very finalist. It's our finalist. It is yeah. the most final. Yeah. Yes. It's the most final of the... Of the uh, Megan episodes, yeah. and uh, we will finally be able to sum up the entirety of mm-hmm. uh, Jim and Megan and their whole thing. I I found that this being a standard length episode after multiple after back to back long episodes mm-hmm. did feel like a breeze. It was like, oh, it's over yeah. already. <laughs> it's over. Yes, we'll get into it when we get into it, TM. Mm-hmm. But um, the leisurely pace in which it deals with the actual plot because mm-hmm. it, this episode is probably more concerned about Jim and Megan and right. their relationship. Uh, so the leisurely pace with which it deals with the whole plot uh, set me up for a double length episode mm-hmm. as well. And so it same thing, like when we get towards the end of it, I, uh, my notes are like, oh, wait, hold up. This is ending. Uh, oh, that's it then. Yeah. That's okay. All right. Yeah. Um, which both is is funny, but also kind of sad because that's uh, what this episode's about. Is is this kind of sudden sudden ending almost? Yeah, yeah. Indeed, we will get into it when we get into it. TM TM. <laughs> Speaking of TM, uh, before we get into the production stuff, uh, a reminder that our shirt pre order is currently mm-hmm. going on. Uh, at the time of this uh, episode's release. So it'll be running through the month of March 2023 into early April. We have two shirt designs. You can see them at ndpdesign.com slash Rockford. Mm-hmm. And if you are, uh, you know, have been enjoying the show and want to throw a little support our way, you can clothe your torso in our our faces or in uh, a, a the cool the cool Helvetica and format of the cast. 
Yes. Don't don't get caught shirtless this summer or next summer, whenever, whenever you're you're looking forward to wearing a T-shirt. If you want to wear a uh, silken track jacket over your T-shirt, I'll yeah. allow it. <laughs> or perhaps a Hawaiian print shirt, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. both of which feature in this episode. My other note is that I, uh, as a parent of a young child, currently have a cold, so um, if I'm a little mm. stuffy or sneezy in this episode, I apologize in advance. No one should take that personally. Right. I didn't do it because of you. Yeah. All right. Well, this is indeed season six, uh, episode five, as we said, um, coming out in November of 1979, written by, as all of the Megan Doherty episodes are written, by David Chase. Mm-hmm. And the director for this one is John Patterson. John Patterson has done two Rockford Files episodes. We already did his other one, which is the next episode in airing sequence oh. uh, in season six, episode six, Nice Guys Finish Dead, which is the second Lance White episode. Yeah. Uh, so that was our episode 34, which we did uh, in May of 2018. So I do not remember if we talked about him at all in, I don't. <laughs> in that episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I did look at my notes, um, and I didn't really have anything in particular. Um, but this is near the start of uh, this director's career. He was a working director through the 80s. Uh, he did a bunch of Hill Street Blues. Um, he did a bunch of TV n- movies in the 90s. And then his credits start picking back up with Prestige TV, including what he's probably best known for, which are 13 episodes of Sopranos. Why, you may ask, is this man involved with various David Chase projects? Um, Apparently, he was a classmate of Chase's uh, in Uh. grad school at Stanford. And so they like are friends just from that. And so when Chase was doing TV, he started bringing in his buddy um, to do these. Uh, One of his claims to fame is so he directed the finale episode of each of the first, I think, four seasons of Sopranos. Okay. Um, one of them got him a Director's Guild of America award, but then he unfortunately died uh, earlier than one would than one would would want. So anyway, just, yeah. just that was you know I was following the the thread there. Um, there's a L.A. Times obituary uh, from 2005. The writer spoke to David Chase and quotes him extensively in the obituary because they were you know such good friends. So yeah, there's uh, yeah. an even closer connection than. What I think uh, you would just see from the credits, which is like, huh, he worked early on the Rockford Files and then was involved with other people who also did Rockford Files. Yeah, legitimately, while I, while right before we went into this, I just checked his IMDb and I thought, oh, uh, Chase must have liked him because he used him on Sopranos later. But, uh, <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. They're friends. They're good mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. Um, so this is not a rap on him, though. Uh, no, this is a rap. This is a rap. Okay. So the order is he did this one, then the next one in ah. airing order, and we did his next one five for years our, ago. Yeah, five years ago, <laughs> and now we're doing his uh, final yeah. one. So yes, this is now a wrap on uh, John Patterson. Yes, that's what I got off the top. Um, Epi, yeah, how did you find our preview montage? Uh, well, okay, so we knew going into this that this was going to be a Megan episode, uh, but right off the bat, there's a good m- moment for audiences watching this airing the first time to see oh it's the return of megan um there is also a nice moment <laughs> where it's uh we understand that there there's probably going to be a murder involved because we see a classic outline of a body and i you gotta love the classics 
And uh, what I wrote in my notes is, you want steaks? We've got steaks. Mm-hmm. We get Megan delivering the line, I'm in love with two men at the same time. So we got those pretty big steaks. And then also, they're going to kill him, which is also <laughs> pretty big steaks. So, uh, yeah, looking yeah. forward to it. Now, we'll find out as we watch the episode that that first set of steaks Maybe a little more important to the episode than the second set of stakes. Right, right. Yeah, I and my notes with exciting gunshots. Yes. <laughs> blam, blam. Hey, Epi, did you know that we are a 100% listener-supported show? I did not know that. Wait, I, I did. I did. <laughs> and it is because of our patrons over Ooh. at patreon.com slash 200 today. In addition to our gratitude... Patrons also receive exclusive episode previews and plus expenses. Now, that is the podcast before the podcast. And that's where we talk about other stuff going on in our lives mm-hmm. and games and movies and all kinds of things. Yeah. We extend special thanks to our gumshoe patrons supporting this episode of 200 a Day. Brian Burnson has a Facebook page where he drives his Rockford tribute car to shooting locations from the show. Check out facebook.com slash Brian Rockford Files. Join Mitch Hampton to examine all matters aesthetic and what it means to be human at the Journey of an Aesthete podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Dale Norwood wrote a book, Find Trading Freedom, How Trade with China Defined Early America, Wherever Good Books Are Sold. It's about fast ships, cheap drugs, and American political economy. Chuck from whatyoureading.com. Paul Townend, who also recommends the podcast Fruit Loops, Serial Killers of Color at fruitloopspod.com. Shane Liebling, his site rollforyear.party, has all of your online dice rolling needs. Jay Adon, check out his amazing miniature painting skills over at jayadon.com. Andre Apignani, Tom Clancy, Pumpkin Java Peach Pug, Dave P., Dave Otterson, Kip Holly, and Dale Church. And finally, we can't thank our detective patrons enough for their generous support of the show. Joe Greathead, Michael Zalisco, Eric Antenor, at Antenor on Twitter, Brian Pereira at Thermoware, Jordan Bockelman, not Brockelman, at Jordan Bockelman, Bill Anderson at BillAnd88, and of course, Richard Haddam at Richard Haddam. We follow them too at 200pod. If you're interested in helping keeping us going, you can do so for as little as a dollar an episode at patreon.com slash 200 a day. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right, well, getting into our episode... So this was a question, maybe, I don't know if you thought about this, but as I was watching it, I was I was thinking how much, if any, intention was given to, we need to introduce viewers to this character versus, oh, right, you can yeah. just kind of assume that they'll pick it up as we go along. That That is a good question. I, think I felt like, like it was very, maybe it's just because we just watched the other ones, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, I know who this is, and I know what their relationship mm-hmm. has been like, and we clearly get how their relationship is from mm-hmm. uh, from from the content of the episode but uh it was very naturalistic in the sense of not having a lot of exposition about their past or megan's deal like her life yes right uh, so it's in contrast to the other two that we saw because the other two spent some time explaining that she was blind or sorry not explaining that she was blind, but like showing us how she navigates the world right. as a blind woman. Mm-hmm. They didn't like super dwell on it, but they definitely got us as viewers uh, comfortable with it, mm-hmm. which 
makes sense. Like one's the first one and the other one takes place a couple decades later. So you'd want to reintroduce them. But this one felt, I mean, it really felt like we're in the same position that Jim is at the beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. Jim shows up at our house and he just hasn't seen her in a while. But they, 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 he's like, we're just going to pick up right where we left off. Right. Everything's good. And uh, y- you kind of have that same vibe as a viewer. If you had seen Megan earlier, you'd be like, oh, it's Megan. Yay. Let's see how they're doing, how they're getting along or whatever. Right. right yeah. Uh, and I think they also do a good job of, without having to explain it, these are, um, I, I will try not to use the word stakes all the time, but these mm-hmm. are emotional stakes that I think we can all just immediately understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when, when we watch it, we see uh, her slight awkwardness when Jim first shows up and you're just like, hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course we know from the preview montage that she's in love with two, two men. Right. So. Right. So we're kind of looking for that. Yeah. Probably early. Yeah. I think that, uh, that leads into something about which we had talked a little bit before recording which is that a lot of the stuff you see on the screen in this episode is two people talking in emotionally charged situations (laughs) um and a lot of the charge is carried by the the physical acting the body language the facial expressions the way they move around each other the little size the little eye rolls um all that kind of stuff the the chemistry between these two actors is great. Mm-hmm. Now that we've done two episodes about it and we've spent four hours of TV time with right, them already, right, yeah, um, we've probably said this over and over. But I think this this episode in particular kind of highlights that these are good actors who act well together, and we're a couple of podcasters. <laughs> we're not going to be able to convey. You should watch this episode if you yeah. want to understand what we're saying. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, which also means, you know, I'm going to try not to like narrate a lot of that stuff because mm. it's not going to be particularly interesting to hear and I won't do a good job conveying um, the, the tone too much. Uh, but combined with the fact that this is a very light plot, there may be a lot of kind of skimming over <laughs> scenes that actually are fairly substantial because there's uh you know we'll hit the high points and you should watch the episode in our opening scene here uh we do establish megan on the beach she has this like beach house kind of situation jim is dropping by after not seeing her for about a month he's been working on some case he's been he's, he's been in court uh so he has this whole rundown about uh you know how what a bear the DA is and um, you know, how much just how, how stressful everything has been. He says that his day has been black Tuesday and the day of the jackal rolled into one. <laughs> he describes the DA as uh, treats his brain as a pocket watch, <laughs> which at first I was like, is it well con- constructed? Is it like, what, what is he getting at? He goes, he takes it out from time to time. <laughs> it was just not what I was expecting. And just a wonderful metaphor. Yeah. She has a great uh, moment where she says, because he's like, I've had a bad day. She mm-hmm. says, oh, you must have had a bad month. Dare I say, long time no see. Uh, yeah. So she's, for, for us who've just watched the other episode, she's um, a little more, I mean, not cavalier isn't the right word, but she uses some turns of phrase very intentionally. Right. You know, in kind of this like half joking manner, um, kind of at her own expense, but. Mm-hmm. Well, there's been, um. I don't know if it's her specifically, but there's been hay made about people using common uh, site-based yeah. 
idioms uh, around her, especially when they're, the thing that they're saying, like we saw Billings. I can't, mm-hmm. Or no, Billings was wasn't even an idiom. He was just like you can then we'll bring him and you could identify him. <laughs> like, yeah, you can inv- identify him based off their description. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like no. Yeah, I'm not going to be identifying anyone. And they're like, oh, yeah. Um, anyway, and this is called out a little bit, I think, here with her, you know, telegraphing, like, dare I say it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think to help establish that she's comfortable enough with Jim to. Yeah do something that's a little bit of a joke at, about it as opposed to calling someone else out on it if they were to, you know. Um, okay, so I am definitely going to read as much as I possibly can into mm-hmm. what's happening here. Why not? We're yeah. a fan podcast and uh th- okay, so there right now there's a tension that isn't surface level and it might not even be like just below the surface. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a like she has made a decision in her life that affects how these two interact with each other and they've been out of communication for a while so the way she says this uh line and what she is to some extent it's a little bit of a humor thing but it's also putting trying to put jim in an awkward spot on yeah almost on purpose right like like hey everything's not fine right now (laughs) right right yeah yeah she she you know wishes he would have called um and, you know, he's like, oh, I was just so caught up with stuff. And then there's like there's a lot of traffic on the freeway or something. So, like, he just keeps going on and on. Yeah, it's easier <laughs> to come over here than try and go home, like that kind of thing. He starts to explain more. And she I think she's the first one who's like, it's OK. No explanations. Yeah, because that's their deal. Like, we don't need to explain things to each other. Like, that's kind of the bedrock yeah. of their formal agreement. Yeah. <laughs> for lack they, of a better term. They, Trust each other to make correct decisions. Right. Uh, no explanations necessary. My notes are filled with that line. It happens over and over again. This is our introduction to it. There's a moment where she is about to say something to Jim, and he kind of just talks over her because he's still on on a roll, and she doesn't try again. She just lets it go. Yeah, we definitely see that she is feeling attention here that he's oblivious to. We go to credits over uh, uh, the beach and then back to the porch. Uh, Jim has fallen asleep in a deck chair listening to the radio. I, I just want to put this out there in the universe for people who make the like study and chill YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. Jim Rockford asleep in front of the TV on the beach YouTube chill channel. <laughs> Please. That's all I want. I, I, I don't want to have to go through the trouble of making it myself, uh, but I would definitely appreciate it if somebody did. Speaking of YouTube, that just makes me think of uh, uh, another aspect of this episode, which is similar to the last one, where we have almost no score. Mm. Um, We have sometimes there's the transition music, like when we come back from commercial break. Uh, Other than that, there's pretty there's a little bit of there's a romantic swell at one point. And other than that, I didn't notice any other score and i think obviously that's an intention that obviously that's part of the style of these episodes because i think all of them have had this where it's like because we are in the world of megan we need to hear the environment the way that she does i think Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's a i think that's absolutely correct there there's i made a note somewhere near the end because there was like the this back-to-back weird scoring thing and when we come to it in my notes, I will, I will get to it. But um, the the other thing that I've noticed, uh, in contrast to Jim's place, 
We've been to Jim's place so often Mm -hmm. and we never really hear the ocean, Mm -hmm. right? Unless he's like right on it, but he's probably roughly the same distance from the ocean as her places or whatever. And we, when we're at her place, it's waves all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's another intentional, uh, thing to just be like, you know, this is what the, this world is like for her. Like this, Mm -hmm. or not even to place it with her, but just to kind of give us like an understanding of the, the, the soundscape of, of, right, of right. her home at the time. Yeah. Well, when Jim uh, wakes up and goes to get another beer, there's a knock at the door <laughs> and there's a man there asking for Megan. His name is Jeffrey Smith. Um, Jim introduces himself as, you know, hi, I'm Jim. And he gets, oh, I've heard about you. <laughs> we who have seen the preview montage and read the uh, uh, synopsis for the episode mm. We know this is this is the other bow, uh, as we will get into more as we go. But um, Megan is like getting getting dressed. They're planning to go out later, uh, and then they basically make like semi confrontational small talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim explains that he's a PI. Not that many foggy waterfronts there are depositions. No, no, I'm serious. I mean, delving into human beings, human behavior. Can't see a better way to spend your days. Yeah, I guess that really is what i do yeah yeah megan's job too same kind of thing only different i um i envy her that a little (laughs) but there's a little bit of thawing when they have that conversation where jim's kind of like okay now we'll you know so what do you do we get that he's an architect every everything from courthouses to houses and then they just kind of make small talk until megan uh appears um she's Mm -hmm. wearing wearing her bathrobe and when she hears that Jeffrey's there, uh, w- really wishes that he had called first. Mm-hmm. Like, really wishes he had <laughs> called first. Because uh, same thing, he was caught in town, traffic, et cetera, et cetera. I think Jeffrey has an appropriate read on the situation. Yeah. Right? Uh, and he's, like, kind of cool with it. Yeah. So, this is interesting, because like, the actor that they chose... Um, Anthony Herrera. Um, yeah. So he's a soap opera guy. I was, you know, checking ah. it out. He's on 174 episodes of How the World Turns. <laughs> okay. All right. So he's he's got he's got his money. He knows where he worked. But you know, not not a whole lot of other appearances. Though he was in one episode of The Incredible Hulk. Ah, yes. Oh, he played Don. <laughs> <laughs> so um, okay. So the thing about this actor is that this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this guy, he could be complaining about someone handing him an ice cream sandwich, right? Like, like this <laughs> uh-huh. is a this is a, an actor who's coded as a Rockford villain. Yes. I yeah. feel like. Uh, and so I'm immediately thinking, all right, whatever bad business comes up, he's going to be at the center of it. Mm-hmm. So most of this episode, both Jim and I have to warm to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that um, Jim handles it better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. I think that's good. I like I like that decision. I like that uh mm-hmm. and and I think you're right. Like they they feel each other out in the beginning of the conversation and then by the end of it they um they're making fun of how often both of them are complaining. I see that you two have already met. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, we were trying to see who could out complain the other. <laughs> that could be a real battle of the all-stars. <laughs> yes. She tells uh Jeffrey that she's going to go, you know, she's going out with Jim and walks him out. Um, as we go through it, I have this thought, which is again, not a huge spoiler, but the, the deal is that, uh, that he, he proposed to her at some Mm -hmm. point during this month that Jim just hasn't been around and she, she, she 
she said yes she's gonna marry him so at this moment they are engaged yes so when she's like i wish you had called and he's like well yeah sorry uh i've heard about jim so he knows what the deal is with jim yeah but he doesn't need to be uh he doesn't need to be weird because he's Mm -hmm. like we're engaged Mm -hmm. he knows he has the like not high ground that's not what i'm trying to say but like Right. He, he knows something about the situation that Jim doesn't. That So that makes a lot more sense about why he's kind of like, okay, cool, whatever. Because he trusts Megan. Yes. Because he knows what their deal is already. Yeah. Like, I hesitate to say he's being cool about it because that would indicate that, like, he would have a right to be some other way. But he, he's right, right. handling it correctly. Right. Like, he's... Yeah. He's he's like, oh, OK. If I had called, you probably would have said, hey, I'm busy and I wouldn't have come over and we wouldn't there, have had this thing and everything you were doing would have been the same. Yeah. There's a line later on that I think Randy says where he's like, you're not the only one who has to say goodbye to some people. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, there's also yeah. this kind of like, I mean, I, my notes, I'm like, ah, the 70s. right? Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I lived through the 70s barely. <laughs> like I was a. I was in the single digits during the 70s. So I don't I don't conceptually understand this dating atmosphere. But I remember the media of the time mm-hmm. and like this is yeah, they're they just they were dating a bunch of people and now they have to go through their Rolodex. Mm-hmm. They have to go through the little black book and let these people know that they can't call them yeah, up. Yeah, they're not available anymore. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that kind of sense of just kind of the 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 sense of the fluid nature of relationships is one that we see elsewhere in the rockford files and it's clearly something that jim not only appreciates but takes advantage of i mean come on no explanations necessary no explanations necessary (laughs) exactly um they go on their date which is to kind of like a honky-tonk bar to see barbara mandel and the (laughs) all-stars um which is a name i recognized uh barbara mandel is a a country music mandrell mandrell barbara mandrell Mm-hmm. and the all-stars um she's a, a a country music singer um i forget she had a big hit that people would know but like i just kind of knew the name just from osmosis so yeah. i was like oh we, and we saw it in the credits she's a, a big name for like an opening because he said that she was opening oh on the on the marquee okay there's a couple layers here and none of this matters at all but um it's it's great that they got a big name for the sixth season of the Rockford Files, like, hey, look at this. We're blowing it out mm-hmm. where we got Barbara Mandrill. Um, but also the place that they're at just seems like, a, like you said, a honky-tonk place. It's just like a bar that she's in. I don't know. I've never lived in L.A. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what happens all the time in L.A. Maybe you go in and, like, Janet Jackson shows mm-hmm. up and plays something. But he also said that she was opening it. And so, right. uh, like, I do have some curiosity about, like, what who the headliner was yeah what's the headliner what's going on here like Mm -hmm. is this was she near the end of her career so she might have been opening for like something new that like jim wouldn't care about or Mm -hmm. you know um but i don't know like i honestly don't know enough about i just know the name yeah i didn't really see anything about why she's in the episode like Mm-hmm. nothing in particular about why this cameo was here like i mean i like it it's fine and mm-hmm. kind of narratively we have a moment where we get to see jim watching megan enjoy herself mm-hmm. darling i'm feeling pretty lonesome i call you on the phone son but i don't have a dime 
Right. This, this is their last hurrah. This is kind of the last. Yeah, this is the last hurrah. I, I didn't really. Li- if we listen to the song, I think the song is also relevant Related. to yeah. the emotional situation. But uh, again, diegetic music. This is music that she is actually listening to. Um, so we get to hear it. Going to a live music thing makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they made this cameo happen. And I'm glad they did because, like, it's a nice moment. But it's not like... Um, so unlike the, ep- the episode with Dionne Warwick, where she was a character in mm-hmm. the episode, uh, or even, for that matter, with Isaac Hayes, where we get to hear some Isaac Hayes singing uh, yeah. in while Gandhi is on screen, uh, Barbara Mandrell just is here for this um, bit and then is gone. It's just a cameo. It's not... It's, so a couple things about this scene that I think are... are well-crafted as we um like to point out is it first of all it's a nice emotional beat for what's going on like we're already into it we already know something this is probably a sad story for jim the song is a little melancholic and because they are at a musical event she can't talk to him about what she needs to talk right, to him about because right. there's music happening there's a scene like right after this that i just absolutely love the song is still playing, and we get the Firebird mm-hmm. driving in the sunset, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's it's. There's something about that that was just like very. I don't even want to say iconic because it's not necessarily. I mean, it's the Firebird or you know whatever, but mm-hmm. like it's just it was just like a nice shot, and also because it's the sun setting and the music is a little sad, and mm-hmm. we know that something sad's about to happen. It's a nice build up to what th- this conversation that's about to happen. And I would say there's even a, a a nice button on it where as the, as they cut from that shot, which I agree is fantastic, mm-hmm. it cuts to a close up on the Firebird's headlight, yeah. which is visually echoing the things from the previous episode that we watched, where we would start each episode with this like tight shot on like just a circular light of some kind. Yeah. Um, so this is more in universe. It's literally the Firebird headlight, but that tight shot on the light. And then it just goes to black all around the edges is um, I, I, I cannot read that as anything but a like this is connecting these two the episodes two yeah, with this little agree. visual flourish. Um, so I imagine that this is probably a David Chase influence as he produced both episodes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, even though he was not the director. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It's, it's especially since we just saw it. I'm kind of like, oh, I see what you did there. You got to have bright circles. We need bright circles. <laughs> um. That's my David Chase impression. Yes, I, I'm sure it's 100% accurate. <laughs> they're 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 back. They're home. They're back at Megan's place in the Firebird, and Megan has something to tell Jim, and mm-hmm. she finally has brought herself to to where she can tell him she's going to marry Jeffrey. When? Yeah, uh, that's not the right response. Uh, well, congratulations. When? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we get to see Jim more shook than we've ever seen him in yes. the show. This is yeah, this is a reveal that uh warrants a dun 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 you know, <laughs> like this is a uh yeah, it's this is good. Um again, this is one of those things where maybe maybe you should watch the episode. Yeah, so this this conversation, uh uh the content here is, you know, uh she kind of fills him in about the backstory. They start seeing each other about a month, month and a half ago. She just felt a strong connection, and when he proposed to her, it just all fell into place. She just, like, it sounds like, she doesn't say this, but it's like, she kind of saw a future suddenly appear in front of her. Yeah. Uh, in a way that she hasn't, I mean, saw a future, but... 
Yeah, uh, we're going to stumble that. Yeah, yeah. Apologies. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the things we all are continuing to work on is ableist language, and this mm-hmm. is really highlighting highlighting. Um, this is really uh, emphasizing yeah. how much cited <laughs> language is in our just our our everyday vernacular. Um, anyhow, you know she can conceive of this future mm-hmm. uh, in a way that she could not with Jim. Um, they had seen each other in college and lost touch. And then she just ran into him in a party or something like that. He says, well, that's a chronology, but you haven't told me much about him. Um, and she runs down all of his good qualities and then just kind of ends with, I just love him very much. Yeah. We see that Jim is having trouble. (laughs) Yeah. My notes start with, oh, Jim's taking this well. And then, oh, Jim is not taking this well. And there's a nice bit here where... He doesn't say anything about it. She's mm-hmm. as she's describing it. You're you're watching the torment on his face that he is kind of allowing himself to to reveal because she can't see it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's good. It's a good moment. Like it's very powerful. I think part of it is it feels, or at least my my read of it was that he is reacting even stronger than he thought he would Mm -hmm. and the fact that he's having such a strong reaction is spiraling like that is making him you know more upset he's discovering stuff about himself in this moment Mm -hmm. and like who wouldn't like this is is a very tough moment and uh very well done (laughs) like i'm very impressed with this part of yeah of the episode how I phrased it in my notes is that like we see that Jim is having trouble, but he's living up to their deal. Mm-hmm. And I think he says again, no explanations. Mm-hmm. This is how your life is going. Yeah, you don't need to explain it to me. Uh, she she explicitly says, "You've seen other women. Mm-hmm. I've seen other men. That's how our relationship has been." And he's like, "I know, no explanations." That's fine. And he's saying this with kind of a like, yeah, everything's cool tone of voice. But we're seeing on his face yeah. that he's having that emotional spiral. And she knows it. She can like, that's why she she's can tell. trying to talk yeah. through it. Yeah. She specifically says that she's in a place in her life where she needs commitment and she needs to commit. And she kind of sounds like she discovered that through having this proposal. Yeah. You know, happen. Uh, and she might even want to have kids sometimes. And she doesn't envision a future where Jim wants to have kids. Yes. And she does have kids. We know this. <laughs> we this know this. A- <laughs> yeah. We know that this goes forward. Um, though not with Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, I, I say here that Jim's Jim's pushing through it mm-hmm. to, to say what we had was a special relationship, but I'm very happy for you. And he sounds very sincere. Like, yeah. And I think he isn't sincere. Not sounds like he's faking. Like, I think he is, again, living up to their deal, which was this could have happened he's having both emotions like that is a thing that we can do as human beings we're able to experience more than one emotion at a time it's very confusing uh the chemicals do weird things to us and uh it is a testament to the actors that they're able to let this i mean the writing as well but like to Mm. to convey this yeah complex web of oof yeah (laughs) we end the conversation with you know he's saying i'm very happy for you and he Goes in, like, to give her a kiss, and she turns it into a hug. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Cut to Jim storming around the trailer, <laughs> knocking stuff over. He punches the wall, which is, again, one yes. of the most outward expressions of anger I've ever seen him have when he's not yelling at Angel. Like, this is the most dramatic joke in the cut that we have mm-hmm. we have witnessed in 
you know, how many years have we been at this? (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I'm very happy for you. Nice hug. Cut to punching the wall. (laughs) Just furious, right? Because he doesn't have to be holding it in for anyone. Angry, not just outraged. We've seen Jim outraged all the time because he's, you know, like trying to either injustice being done to him or done to someone else and he wants to see that resolved or whatever. But this is just, this is just anger. It's pure selfish anger, but it's not Un, it's not not understandable, right? Like it is a very understandable lang- uh, yeah. anger. Yeah. It's 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 relatable. Um, yeah, I can access yeah. that that place <laughs> from having that kind of reaction to a like a you know like a a breakup or like getting mm-hmm. bad news or or whatever. Um, he knocks over a picture of him and Megan. Mm-hmm. He looks at it and then he puts it in one of his desk drawers. And we cut to black as he closes the drawer. I just want to point out this picture. Is of Jim and Megan, and Jim is holding a box mm-hmm. of potato chips. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, those are the happiest times, mm. right? Like <laughs> the, 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 this is this mm-hmm. is this is a symbol of pure joy here. I can't imagine. It's from when we went to the potato chip factory. Yeah, exactly. Remember when we were at the potato chip factory? At least we'll always have us. <laughs> oh, nice. That's very good. Um. Yeah, I think there's something in the background where it's like, were they at like the state fair? Like, yeah, <laughs> like what? Yeah. Well, we cut to a phone ringing, so we know that a plot is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how many minutes we're into this episode mm-hmm. right now, but I, I, my, my notes is, wait, is this not a two parter? <laughs> like, what, what's happening yeah. here? So it's Megan's phone is ringing. Jeffrey is calling her from a phone booth. Uh, he's been he's been jammed up with work, but asks if she's seen or heard from Randy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, "What? No, I haven't. What's going on? Oh, it's just business. Don't worry. But if you hear from Randy, get him to tell you where he is." And then he hangs up. Uh, so that's not suspicious at all. There's a, a bit in the filming here where the camera on her is a handheld camera. I think it's mm-hmm. a little unsteady, and because of the previous episode, I'm like, wait. Is someone in the room with her? Mm-hmm. Is like not like is she sleeping with someone, but is somebody watching her? Yeah, I I think that's just more a stylistic thing. Yeah, we cut from there to Jim haranguing Megan mm-hmm. about how she called Mitch Velasco on the sly. <laughs> but good thing that Mitch knows both of them and has enough ethics to tell Jim. <laughs> So, you know, she's worried, right? Jeffrey has basically disappeared since Mm -hmm. she got that call. The first part of this is them arguing, and then the second Mm -hmm. part gives us more stuff. The arguing is around how she doesn't want him to be involved because it's going to be too conflict-laden. Yeah. Like, you're going to have too much personal interest. And he's like, you didn't call me. I came over on my own. And then Mm -hmm. he has this whole bit where he starts playing the the fake sad violin while she's telling him about all the reasons that she finds it difficult for him to be involved. Yeah. In this argument, we see how like, Oh yeah, they spent a lot of time together. Like Mm -hmm. in in, however long it's been, like they know each other's argument tactics, each other's little quirks. There, you see, no kidding. You see what I mean? No money. Huh? You can, you can just, Consider it a wedding present. Hell, there's that tone again. I can't deal with this. What tone? Oh, what tone is that? What tone? There. Yeah, you see, all of a sudden she has nothing to say. Uh-uh. 
Yeah, yeah. No, this feels like a very I want a familiar argument. Yeah, I was going to say comfortable, but yeah, like the the these are two people who yeah mm-hmm. have a rut when it comes to arguing. They've been arguing that much mm, to where they have the outsized like. I'm going to play the sad violin because I know yeah. this is the part where you're listing all the, you know, mm-hmm. all your hangups or whatever. And it's like, since we <laughs> have had this argument, I'm I'm going for it. It's also like not a very Jim Rockford. It's a little mocking thing. Yeah. And so you you kind of get this like the situation, the two of them together and the situation that they're in is is affecting his personality which is another very real thing yeah. right like you just behave in ways you don't uh, he's yelling she's telling him he's yelling he says he's not yelling but they're he's got a loud voice and then he and then he's like why do you always say that i'm yelling just when i'm disagreeing with you yeah. <laughs> anytime anyone argues with you you tell them that they're yelling like it's a whole it's again ground that's clearly been trodden before yeah yeah she wants to pay him uh, if he's going to be there. And he says, no way. You know, absolutely not. How about just consider it a wedding present? And this, again, touches <laughs> in our last episode, all their stuff about, like, I'm a professional. Yeah. This is the only moment of that here. But I appreciate that it's in this conversation. This argument. Yeah. It's a nice theme that keeps coming up. It's also, like, indicative of Jim in general. Like, if you want yeah. to pay Jim, he doesn't want to accept the money. If you don't want to pay him... He wants your money. Right. And that is just how that is. She calls him on his tone and then is like, I just can't deal with this. And we have this long pause where she sits there on the couch with her head in her hands while Mm -hmm. Jim is like standing behind her, I think, trying to decide where to go next with it. And then she finally does say, thank you. Mm -hmm. I am glad that you're here. She has taken this moment to kind of regroup and be like, "Okay, what's actually what what do I actually want Mm -hmm. and what do I have to work with? And like, if I have to have Jim involved i'm glad is him and not someone else yes yes and we know that jim is the right answer for right. this right yeah yeah mitch velasco <laughs> come on come on <laughs> it's not the velasco files yeah all right so we get the uh more information um so the randy that jeff was asking about is jeffrey's younger brother mm-hmm. they grew up like rich kids in uh laguna and uh Jeffrey grew out of it and like became an adult and Randy never did. Uh, he's a, a hellraiser. He burned down his prep school when he was 17. Um, <laughs> not a great picture of this. Yeah. Guy. Jeffrey called like in the early morning, like 2 a.m. or whatever. The morning after that, she got another call from someone she didn't know asking for Randy. And then when she said asking, like, do you where's mm-hmm. Randy? When she said she didn't know, they hung up. So that's when she started feeling nervous about the whole thing. Uh, what's Randy's deal? Uh, well, he deals dope. He's dating this starlet, Patty, who <laughs> played a sexpot daughter on a sitcom that got canceled. Spare tires? Oh, yeah. 13 shows and out. <laughs> I think that the context for having 13 episodes of a show has uh, really changed. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a Netflix original and uh, and probably a very successful one, too. <laughs> um, I. I do like that Jim, I mean, this is probably has something to do with where he lives, but that Jim would know the spare tires had 13 episodes. Like (laughs) I have to go on IMDB and look up spare tires to know how many episodes (laughs) they had, but Jim knew it off the top of his head. The phone rings and it is the mysterious Randy. Um, He's in bed. I think he's clipping his toenails or something. (laughs) And he starts off with, Hey sis, what's the haps? Um, so we know he's a cool dude. Mm-hmm. 
he i think it's actually a little unclear why he's calling her because she starts like hey do you know where jeffrey is and he's like yeah uh, i might but i don't know i'll talk to you later i think maybe he's calling because he thinks maybe jeffrey is there and then when he's yeah there, he's like oh i just want to know if you have my blue jacket right and of course she can't tell if the jacket's blue well yes as she will point out later um and then he you know hangs up so more suspicion uh this uh girlfriend patty isn't in the phone book um Mm -hmm. but jim aims to track her down via the production company for spare tires jim knows what he's doing he's an expert he's so much of an expert we don't even have to see him do anything we see he just leaves the production company with a piece of paper (laughs) um oh so on the phone randy was like oh i just need to talk to him about the disco yes Uh, so this is a very uh uh efficient writing situation where we're getting some of the exposition split over these two scenes while we also are seeing them tracking down the person they need so that they can find randy but uh megan um fills him in that randy got an idea to build a roller disco uh in laguna with Mm -hmm. some guys he knows and he got jeffrey to design and supervise the construction there's good money in roller good money in roller disco (laughs) and jeffrey is on board among other things. Cause it's like Randy's actually interested in something for once. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's like, he's trying to encourage that. Um, but, uh, she mentions that Jeffrey and Randy formed like a business partnership to manage the construction. Whatever info Jim got seems to have borne out as, uh, we cut to Randy and Patty leaving some kind of cabana looking, uh, structure with a mannequin and some photo equipment. <laughs> and, uh, we see he's, he's just talking a mile a minute. I'm wondering, um, if we've hit upon a David Chase style character. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like we probably have. Right. First of all, Poor Megan. She seems to have a lot of Randys in her life. Like, mm-hmm. considering what we've watched and whatnot, like, mm-hmm. he reminds me of Brian Cranston's character. Yeah. Uh, her cousin. He reminds me of uh, one of the couple of guys from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a David Chase. And, like, sure, he also has, like, an angel feel to him and whatnot, but there's something else here. There's mm-hmm. very, like, uh, a young ne'er do well probably high on something right i mean um maybe maybe we're just seeing uh the effects of cocaine or mm-hmm. uppers as jim will will point out <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah the uh person who plays him is oh yeah he doesn't really have a whole lot of stuff i just i just want to praise him on his face david carroll yeah he's just got a good face for this mm-hmm. I, I, maybe i just noticed it because i had to pause it to make a note at some point and he had a very like the whole idea of the character came through on that face that he was making yeah unfortunately he had a very short yeah. career it looks like he died relatively early oh um, that's sad 1992 yeah so that's a shame but yeah yeah no, it's definitely uh he's definitely a memorable character yeah I got it. You you brought the old blue jacket. Outstanding. I don't know anything about your jackets, Randy, much less which one's blue. Oh, yeah, right. The point goes to future sister-in-law again. Hey, I'm sorry, Megan. You know I love you. Is she not a fox, Jim? <laughs> yeah. Like... There's some banter. So, you know, Jim is immediately identified as someone who is not cool. So he keeps, when he makes some slang term then he'll like turn to jim and translate for him um, yes which is pretty funny i don't even remember jim says something 
They just couldn't cure that slow speech defect, huh? Metabolism? Mm, chortle, chortle. Very inside, Jim. I just love a guy who's hep. Wow! <laughs> I was <laughs> expecting Jim to just deck him at yeah. that point. And I don't... Yeah, it was, it's, it's fun. Um, he says that he talked to Jeffrey, everything's cool, he'll call her at home. Um, Randy and Patty are going out on a photo shoot. Uh, he has this new gig. He's doing the definitive study of the California hot tub and specialty baths. Megan keeps trying to call, like, get him back to like the conversation she's trying to have. She's like, so you talked to Jeffrey. What did he say? He's like, oh, you know what? Did I run my new idea by you? What is everyone into these days? The environment. Living on the natch. Living on the natch. Natural. <laughs> yeah, so the like, living on the natch then turns to Jim and goes, yes, natural. Uh, so solar-powered crematoriums. That's his, which is an angel idea if I've ever heard oh, one. Oh, so good. I mean, Angel would have would be like, Jimmy, Jimmy, I need some money. I got this great investment. <laughs> yeah. Solar uh, power crematoriums. Yeah. So she gets him back. Where is Jeffrey? And this is when he does the, uh, well, that's a tough one. I don't want to get in the middle of you, but, you know, mm-hmm. he's making his goodbyes. Yeah. Just like you are. And then he, like, looks at Jim. And she doesn't believe him. I don't believe you talked to Jeffrey. I don't believe you know where he is. And he just kind of begs off. He's like, well, I got to go to my shoot. Um, but don't worry about it. Jeffrey's all right. And they get in their, their Jeep to go. And we end the scene with uh, Jim going, shoo, uppers. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great moment there where Jim is asking for how they can get in touch with him. Just in case we run into someone who has a corpse who needs a tan. <laughs> uh, fun scene. The, the, the parallels here with Angel are nice. It, it feels a bit like uh, if we look at um, Jeffrey as a Jim analog, which nothing in the text has told us to do that, mm-hmm. except that they're both dating Megan, uh, then this is probably his angel. And right, if so, yeah. like, and, you know, clearly Randy's going to drag him into something that Angel would have dragged Jim into, or could have dragged Jim into, and yeah. We are going to take a little break in the middle of our episode here. So that we can stretch, maybe get a beverage or a snack, and talk about the other places that you can find us on the internet. Epi, if our listeners want more Epi, where can they go to get Maximum Epi? You can find uh, me at my website, digathousandholes.com. That's dig1000holes.com. Or you can get my sword and sorcery fiction and games at worldswithoutmaster.com. That's worlds plural master singular if you want to engage with me on the social medias the best place to go right now is mastodon at epidia at dice.camp nathan if they want to get maximum nathan where do they have to go for that i should have gone maximum nathan maximum nathan can be found at my website ndpdesign.com that's the hub for all my stuff on the internet including all my uh, role-playing games zines and other podcasts uh so if you're interested in pro wrestling detectives mm-hmm. or zines about pro wrestling <laughs> among other things um those are all at my website it also has links to contact me in other ways currently i'm still um posting on instagram at nd paoletta that's where I'm posting pictures of my dog. Uh, you can also find me at cohost, cohost.org slash NDP. That is a fun, small scale social media site that I'm enjoying quite a lot. And now we return to the continuing adventures of Jimbo Rockfish. 
Megan still has not been able to get in touch with Jeffrey at his office or his house. And so Jim says that it is time to go down to Laguna and check out the neighbors, see if he's been around. Mm -hmm. She uh, says that's a lot to ask, um, but he's not doing anything anyway. Uh, He'll go to his trailer to get some overnight things. But most everything you need is already here. And this is actually a callback to in their breakup conversation. When he was like, oh, let me get my things out of your house before I go home. And she's like, I don't want you to come inside. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So they're still there. We go to uh, an establishing shot of Laguna Terrace, you know, some office building. Jeffrey Smith, IAI. Jim's picking the office door lock. He moves through the space. We see him kind of step on something. So clearly that's the first like, oh, something, something is amiss. He opens the back door to let Megan in. And turns on the light, and then we follow him seeing the taped outline on the floor. And yeah. this is he. This is from the preview montage where he describes it to Megan. There's a there's a taped outline on the floor, the kind that the police make when there's a body. So we go to the police department. This is in Laguna, I assume. Um, none of our uh, familiar faces here. Yeah, we get some light. Why were you at the scene of a crime? But uh, <laughs> it it gets dropped pretty quick. Um, a man named Barry Specter was murdered in the office. Jeffrey killed him and fled the scene. And there was an eyewitness. I think that's also in the preview montage. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Megan says that's impossible. Um, he's not capable of doing such a thing. Right. Our other uh, uh, principal is then introduced the murdered man's cousin, Kevin Specter. He's the one in the resplendent red satin starter jacket <laughs> yes and what the the this lieutenant lieutenant keffer says uh that uh barry specter was a coke dealer and uh uh kevin says hey now that's an allegation yes but the two cousins were in a cash heavy position and they went into business with the smith brothers with jeffrey and and um uh randy on the roller disco kevin then you know says here's what happened the bank Issued a $70,000 construction draw. Um, issued that to Jeffrey. He cashed the check, pocketed the cash, and didn't pay any of the contractors. And so they're coming after, as a, as the investors, now they're coming after us. So mm-hmm. we went to talk to him about getting that money back. They confronted him in his office. He attacked Barry, slammed his head into the desk, and then ran before Kevin could catch him. Megan reiterates he must have been provoked. He's incapable of that kind of violence. And Jim asks about this draw. Couldn't someone else have cashed it? And uh, the cop says that Jeffrey was the only one authorized to cash checks. And it was his signature. Mm -hmm. So there's our plot um, kicking off. I want to take a moment to give Jim some kudos here. Mm -hmm. Uh, He doesn't... Correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is almost unique in the annals of the Rockford Files. But he doesn't suggest that Jeffrey actually might be guilty of any of this stuff, right? Right. He doesn't. So he's trusting Megan that Jeffrey's not capable of it. And mm-hmm. almost every other time something like this comes up, he will entertain the possibility, right? Like right. He, he, want the, he, he wants to prepare people for that possibility or whatever. In, including the other episodes with Megan. Yes. Yeah. I was just like, especially with uh, Brian Cranston's character, mm-hmm. whose name eludes me. Patrick. Cousin Patrick. That's right. And uh, yeah. So, and, and of course with she being a psychiatrist or psychologist or, or I can't remember which, 
not being able to see who amongst her patients might be capable of stalking mm. her or whatever. Uh, but in this particular case, when it is most advantageous to Jim to throw shade and right, doubt, right. he doesn't. He doesn't even pause to do it. He just is accepting her version of the, the narrative and, and going forward. And yeah, and we get some some text about that in this next little little interstitial scene where he he said he tells her, well, at least we know Jeffrey's probably all right. Yeah. Like the cops haven't caught him or whatever. Yes. And Megan says, well, the, but the cops are wrong about him. You know, I and I know that you are suspicious. Right. I told you this was the wrong thing for you to be involved with. You know, I knew you'd have personal feelings. Jim kind of uh, uh, uh intercedes with uh bad news the coffee shop is closed but good news there's a restaurant open that's close by and they cut to wine being poured <laughs> yes and then this is where jim says megan uh, about before about jeffrey and what i think and the fact that there's a an eyewitness and all of it let's not mention it again okay because you care for the man care for the man you say he's clean and he's clean and who am i kidding that's that's all that's really all i wanted to say just like you were saying i think we saw that through the things he did not do and then right here he very explicitly reinforces that for her and for us that he's like i am going to take what you say as the truth Mm -hmm. this time Uh, (laughs) yes i love the callback i didn't even catch it until you mentioned it about the because in the previous episode so uh, there was this whole business about her not wanting the wine. She was ordering like right, right. the Perrier or like the sparkling water. And then he was like, you want to get chocolate milk? And then eventually they drink the wine. And, and uh, I felt like this was definitely a, a, a callback to that where it's like, yeah, they've gotten past all that initial business. They're just at the part where they can have a nice dinner. Yeah. We go to the hotel that they're staying at that night. And this is a nice, again, naturalistic uh, flow here where we watch Jim talk her through this unfamiliar space so that she can acclimate. Yeah. Two steps, the this door to your right, that's the bathroom. Around this corner, that's the bureau. Three steps, there's the bed. The phone is catty corner to the bed. And she's just, she's, yeah. this is clearly just routine. Like, we're in a new space. You're going to be in here by yourself. He's giving her the lay, literally the lay of the land. And she nods, like, yes, you know, got it, got it, got it. And it's just, not a thing it's just like i said routine um and i I like that because i think it's we haven't actually seen that explicitly in the other episodes where she she gets she needs to get acclimated to these new spaces jim is going to take his stuff to the adjoining room and megan stops him and we have another big conversation again feeling very much like the first part of a two-parter where it's like we're spending a lot of time watching them yes um not in a bad way but we're we're having another one of those scenes you're always looking after me Seeing how I feel. Don't you ever think that I care about how you feel? Of course I do. I know you think about how I feel. But what? You just really don't care or what? What's the matter with you? Of of course I do. You know that. The the idea that Jim needs taken care of too. And part of him pushing back on things that she wants is him negating her ability to take care of him. He has not let her, uh, uh, might be reading too much into this, but he has not let her um, step into that role. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we see it when he's like, you don't have to pay me for this. You know, like there's, she is not poor. Mm-hmm. She can definitely afford to pay him for this. Jim actually probably needs money more than she does. And uh, so uh, he pushes back on her 
helping him out. And she takes that uh, personally. She takes that as a uh, maybe because she's blind. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think she's capable of doing this. Right. And and this has been a uh, maybe up until this moment unspoken mm-hmm. wedge in their relationship. It's it's uh, I think that might be what's implied in this uh, discussion. He he does have this good line in here that's like uh you want to have this conversation okay we'll have it mm-hmm. let's get it all out right now yeah you want to make this hard as possible okay let's do it yeah yeah it transitions to her telling him that maybe the reason that she hadn't told him up front about you know getting engaged to jeffrey wasn't just that she didn't want to hurt him it was that that she she didn't want to make it real by saying it right it yeah. hurt her to say it because when she said it a door closed yeah, which is a great a great metaphor. She still has to break up with Jim, and that hurt. It still hurts. Mm-hmm. And Jim says that hurts me too. But so what? Not so what dismissively, but like, and so so what? Yeah. Where do we go from there? And she says, I don't know. There's a line that I I wrote down because I thought it sounded very much like a line from a, a noir. Mm-hmm. All right, I said, if, if it's just smoke, then forget it. It's a great, great line, uh, and I thought to myself, like, wow, that just sounds like like one of those fast-paced noir yeah. things. Um, and I'll bring that up again in just a moment right. or two. Continue. <laughs> well, <laughs> and so the context for, for this is... You've never really thought that I could take care of you, that I was capable of helping you, dealing with your needs. Oh, come on now, hey. It's a crock. I mean, you just throwing up smoke. You want to have this conversation? Okay, we'll have it. Don't trot that stuff out. Look, it's what I think, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, the emotional truth matters. Whether yeah. you feel the way that I think you feel, I still have this emotional um, situation. And then this leads into uh, Jim saying that, you know, this is what we wanted. We left room. We left space for each other. Room. Space. All those words. Love is the word that keep you from grappling too hard with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim follows this up with, I do love you. And she says she knows, but he loves a lot of other things too. He loves the life the way it is. He loves mm-hmm. his freedom. And she's in love with two men at the same time. So like, yeah, they both have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she starts having some tears. Jim reaches out to her uh, and she says that she's tired. She just, she's just done with the conversation. Mm-hmm. She needs to be alone now. Uh, and he has this very, I think, understanding look. Yeah. You know, like, okay, we're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. So from the preview montage, we have that line, I'm in love with two men at the same time. Right. And it, in that context, like you said, it's like, oh, let's raise the emotional stakes. Like, right. two men at the same time. In context of this of this conversation, it's not a, it's not a confession, right? It's not right. a revelation. It's not an escalation. It's not an escalation. Like yeah, it's actually an acknowledgement that both of them have a complicated relationship with all the things that they care about. Yeah. It's it's a step towards a better a very bittersweet closure, mm-hmm. right? She's admitting that she loves Jim, which mm-hmm. is great. Uh but also not enough. Um we cut back and forth, we see Jim smoking a cigarette, watching TV, we see Megan trying to fall asleep and not Okay, so Jim is watching this Guns for Hire, uh, which is a noir classic. I I know this because I could hear lines from it and I got to Google it. Uh, this is uh, Alan Ladd and Veronica Lake. 
Mm-hmm. Well worth watching. Anytime you see those two together, go for it. Fun trivia bit. I recognize that name just now because I recently watched a first season Columbo episode where there's a line where this woman's like, is this going to take long? I'm watching an Alan Ladd movie at 11. And yes. Columbo asks, which one? And she says, this gun's for hire. And he says, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> it is. It's a good one. <laughs> in In the same way that like, Roughly 90% of all horror films have people watching Night of the Living Dead at some point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm guessing a lot of detective fiction from our era references uh, at least that era of... uh, He's not a detective in that one. He's like a hitman or something like that. But anyways, uh, it's a good noir, and uh, (laughs) I recommend um Megan can't fall asleep. She wants to open... She she has like a a door out to like a, a deck or something. She's trying to open it. And Jim hears the rattling and runs in and, you know, it's just her uh, fighting with this broken door. So he starts fighting with it. It's not opening. (laughs) And she has a great line. You and mechanical things. One of these days, you're going to shoot a toaster. (laughs) Very true. He finally gets it open. There's a sweep of of breeze into the room and her hair kind of flows back in it. It's a great shot. We get the, the ocean waves again. And there's the small, the smallest of romantic swells yes like there's like a single instrument it's like a like a hammond organ Mm -hmm. trying to be uh like a glass harmonica or something it's very almost new agey sounding it's a little it's i liked it so we have a little bit of romantic swell as in this moment they acknowledge that they do have their feelings for each other he goes in for a kiss she accepts it brings Mm -hmm. him in then we freeze frame and cut to black End of episode. End of episode. No, in fact, we have a transition music sting coming out of the uh, coming out of the commercial break as they pull up to the police station next morning. They pull up. I think Megan wants to 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 say you know restart a, mm-hmm. a conversation, and Jim's like, "Not now. I'm I'm tired of talking." <laughs> Back to the case. So out the window, they have their windows rolled down. Um, we see him see Spectre. Now wearing a black satin track jacket with the same little detail on the shoulders. I was like, okay, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Talking to what I term an obvious goon. And they're saying, we need to find, you know, have you found this guy, Sean Beck? And not yet. I'm going to track him down. Megan asked Jim, who was he talking to? Jim, uh, I don't know, some Hawaiian guy. Um, That was the voice on the phone the morning that she got the call asking where where Randy was. And if they're looking for Sean Beck, that's a friend of Randy's. So Jim talks through the things that they know. Okay, even though Jeffrey is the one who supposedly killed this guy, everyone is looking for Randy, except for the police and us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do want to say about this scene, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I, okay, I'm going to be very, um, what's the word here, uh, charitable about this and just say mm-hmm. that uh, this is them letting us know that the mystery, it, this episode is not about the mystery. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they just... Pulled into a parking lot and overheard the next mm-hmm. clue. And it's great. It gets us going. It moves us yeah. forward because we are at some point going, wait, wasn't there, isn't there an investigation? What's happening? Yeah. Um, wasn't there a murder? Yeah. yeah. But obviously what we care about is the, uh, what's going on between Jim and Megan. So that's fine. I'm going to just say this is them, the creators of the show, letting us in mm-hmm. that like, don't worry, we'll get you to the end of this. Mm-hmm. This is the first of two 
without this coincidence, the story would not move forward yeah. moments. And that's fine. Yeah, whatever. I think, you know, we, we have talked before about the utility of, of using coincidence and serendipity yeah. to just like keep a, the, the narrative flowing, um, not, not throwing up walls to, to what's next, but, you know, allowing the, the players to, to, to move along, if you mm-hmm. will. And uh, yeah, this is certainly one of those. Um, so they go back to, you know, where Randy said he was going to be back home sometime and he clearly hasn't been. There's like a stack of newspapers at the door and they're like, OK, so he was doing a shoot, a photo shoot for hot tubs, but he's not really the kind of guy that we would see in a home magazine or architectural digest. But the gym's like, but what about Squish? <laughs> It's it's a magazine for connoisseurs of bathing. They do spreads on killer tubs, Vietnamese food, Elvis Costello, just Randy's kind of periodical. <laughs> Sorry, I squish. It is it's the perfect name for that magazine. I should I should Google it. There was a digital magazine for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, squish magazine on MagCloud. Yeah, I don't think this is a seventies era uh, situation. Well, I'm really glad that Jim predicted Squish. Like many of the periodicals mentioned on the Rocker yeah. Files. <laughs> I mean, Squish could very well be a magazine he invented. Like, he has a, a business card for it. He, like, I'm, I'm here to investigate uh, the hot tubs. and Right, I'm here on behalf of Squish. Um, but, yeah. and, then, and then somebody finally started it because... <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, okay, so maybe we can track him down through the publisher. Yeah. And off they go. We cut to Randy throwing dry ice and prop fish into a pool (laughs) while Patty is posing in a silver bikini waiting for him to get everything set up. We go to a guy who basically looks like Tom Selleck. (laughs) I noted that too. (laughs) Wearing an amazing Hawaiian shirt, uh, telling Kevin and and the goon, um, or as I, in my notes, I I say uh, telling Spectre and the goon. And then I thought Spectre and the goon would be a good name for something. Um, that their friend is up at the spa, but walk on the stones. This landscaping was done by Howard Fujimoto. <laughs> so I, I did a quick look around. I don't think this is referring to a real person. There are landscape architects named Fujimoto. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this was a riff on something at the time or just like, you know, Squish Magazine, yeah. Vietnamese food, yeah. killer tubs. So there's some, you know, a Japanese architect is involved with the thing or whatever. Um, but perhaps I am wrong, and this is a reference to something specific. Uh, I did not do any digging. Yeah, I couldn't find anything either. I same thing. When they drop a name like that, I'm, I'm like, oh, uh, they're casting some kind of shade. Um, Randy has put a little uh, like a like a towel over his head to get the you know block out the light for his next shot. Mm-hmm. When uh, <laughs> Spectre and the Goon arrive, <laughs> Kevin rips the towel off of Randy's head, and I think he's tweaking even harder um in this moment Mm -hmm. uh like his eyes are just so twitchy yeah um and he's like oh hey uh this is about the money huh okay i'll straighten that out kevin says i'm here to share a tragedy with you and he tells him about how barry was murdered and then randy says you mean you uh (laughs) oh go ahead what were you gonna say Randy was just thinking about how they weren't getting along too well. And you asked me about those two motorcycle guys I know, maybe to, you know, teach him a lesson. Um, The goon pulls a gun and Kevin tells Randy what really happened. See, what happened was Barry and I came down on your brother Jeff in his office about the money. Jeff pasted Barry against a desk when Barry was shaking him up. Jeff took off, but I finished the thing. These things happen. The cops have my brother. 
They will, and he'll go away for Barry's murder. See, the thing works real well for me. Except as you. Tells Randy he's a drooler and can't afford to have him around. Uh, and then they uh, tell Patty to get her clothes on and they're going to, you know, hustle them off to a another location. Mm-hmm. We go to Jim and Megan pulling up at the front of the property just as the four of them are coming out of the gate. This is what we need to uh, to, to, to get our story finished. Um, Patty just yells, they're going to kill him. <laughs> and then things go wild. Uh, Jim yells at Megan to stay down. Randy, Randy fights the goon for the gun. We, we see it go off. Someone appears to have gotten shot. Kevin is tackling Patty. Uh, before Jim can get there, the goon intercepts him. He's he has the gun, and this is great. This is yep. a wonderful, pure Rockfordishness moment. There's a there's a moment of standoff, and then the goon runs to their car, <laughs> abandons Kevin. Yes. Kevin's like, "Hey, wait for me!" And the goon just gets in the car and takes off, and is just like, "I don't need to be involved yeah, in this. Yeah. No, don't care." I appreciate that he takes the gun with him, so he takes that yeah. threat away as well. And then Jim just decks Kevin, yeah. just huge, <laughs> huge punch right across the face. He he yeah. gives him like a football tackle, yeah. and then punches him. It's uh, it's good, it's so good. It's a great, great to- choice. Yeah, the whole sequence is fantastic. It's also great because it follows a rule in the Rock Files where every character is a character, right? Like at this mm-hmm. by this point, nothing about that goon sets him apart from anyone. He mm-hmm. just is just muscle or whatever. But that moment, he's a character. Right, because that's the moment where he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm out. I weighed everything that goes into the situation, and my smart move here is to just leave. Um, Jim dispatches the manager to call the cops or whatever, uh, and we go to see that Randy has shot himself in the foot. <laughs> yes, and so he 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 looks at Jim and says, "My shoe, man, what's wrong with it?" <laughs> and then Jim just goes, "Downers." Yeah, which. I don't think is true. I nope. think he's still tweaking, but you know, it's to, to fill out the gag where it's like, he's always on uppers or downers. Yeah. Uh, so the threat has been, has been uh, neutralized, mm-hmm. but we still don't know where Jeffrey is. We go back to Megan's place. Uh, she's coming with Jim and they hear Jeffrey's voice. Yeah. So he's already there. <laughs> he's on the phone. He's talking to someone. Megan sees him, asks where he's been. You know, they, they lay out like everyone's been looking for you. Mm-hmm. You've been wanted for murder. And he's like, I have. <laughs> yes. Like he had no idea. <laughs> I gotta say, if you're going to be wanted for murder, it's nice to A, not know, and B, have Jim clean it up for you without <laughs> you knowing. So, he, you know, the last piece of the puzzle here. So Randy forged his signature on that check. So Randy was the one who cashed the 70 grand. And that put Jeffrey in the bind. So he's been running around trying to raise the money back from people he knows so he can pay it all back. And so he's just finally got that sorted out. And he's been so busy doing that that he didn't even know he was wanted for murder. Yeah. So in this moment, Megan goes to him, hugs him, is just glad he's all right. And we zoom over their shoulder to Jim. Yeah. Just who's just been straight up just abandoned in that moment. The best word I could come up with was crestfallen. But it's like more resigned than that yeah i don't know what i expected but i should have expected this right right you know we don't know it faded to black at the hotel room we don't know what happened there but we can assume we can make Mm -hmm. some assumptions and uh we can think that although jim probably isn't thinking oh all of this is gonna come up rockford (laughs) somewhere inside he's holding on to that hope and this is where that's just not the case and this is a great moment, like just the the, the uh, technique here is really nice where it's like we have the zoom over the shoulder and then we freeze frame on Jim's face. Yeah. 
and then we crossfade from Jim's face yes. <laughs> to the wedding reception. Yes. Um, I'm glad we learned that, you know, all of our friends are probably going to be okay. Uh, Patty is talking about a good role her agent got for her. <laughs> so we're going to elevate her profile. Mm-hmm. Randy. Okay. So we have a Rocky appearance. Yes. Rocky in a tie. Rocky <laughs> in a tie. So I love that Rocky is at Megan's wedding. Right, that of is course. fantastic. Randy is talking to Rocky about chemicals. They're <laughs> the future. Is this, this is, this is a graduate riff. Right? I think so, yes, because that's that's the thing that they're trying to sell him on a, at his graduation. I was just double-checking. The graduate was 1967. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, plastics, right? That's <laughs> yeah, the yeah, bit yeah. from the graduate. So I was just like, of all the things, mm-hmm. of all the things to have just like a random like reference to, that one I would not have called. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky has – Rocky's reaction to this is like, young man, you've got a lot of energy <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) yeah. He has a cane. You know, he's still walking. He's still wounded. So, oh, it's a good bit though. We go to Jeffrey and Megan. They're talking to friends. It's clearly you know reception post post ceremony. Uh, Megan Megan needs to sit down for a bit. Uh, Jeffrey goes off. Jim appears. um, Comes over to her where she's sitting, and we have our last conversation with the two of them. Tells her she looks beautiful. It's very sincere. haven't heard from him recently. Well, he's been busy working on a case. A button on this whole situation, I think. You really love your work, don't you? Yeah. He says, when I love it, I really love it. <laughs> and that's a good Jim Rockford statement of purpose. Yes. They talk a little bit about, you know, what's next for you? Well, my, you know, my mother and my sister are already talking to me about having kids. I don't know. I really like my work, right? Getting back to her professionalism as well. And he says that if she decides to be a mother... I think you'll do it better than anyone else in the world. <laughs> she does all right. Yeah. Her yeah. kids seem perfectly, I mean, you know, their, their granddad isn't great, but yeah. um, they, uh, you know, they need to wrap it up soon. They have to get to their plane, uh, presumably for the honeymoon. Um, and so Megan has Jim Walker back to the house and uh, tells Jim about a dream she had. This is, I don't know, this is just really like poignant where she says, in my dreams, I can see, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the dream starts off with um, there's a screen with images from her whole past. Things just got confused. Mm-hmm. She's talking to Jeffrey in her dream. And then all of a sudden Jim's there and then things get clear again. Uh, she says that they go. She went through all the things, the times they had and the things they said. And it wasn't all good. Mm-hmm. And I felt this physical pain. And it stopped the whole thing that the screen or whatever went completely dark. And then all of a sudden. The whole screen lit up with this image of you and me standing there, smiling. And this voice came over and said, Okay, miss, go and stand with the group that's made it. And then she asks Jim if they had played that for him, where would he have gone? And he says, no question, I would have gone to the group that made it. She's saying, I think I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. And he's agreeing with her. Like, yes, you going and marrying Jeffrey, that is the right thing for right. both of yeah. us. Yeah. He's, he's, she's, I think, looking for some confirmation that he's going to be all right. Yeah. And he's like, yes, I'll be all right. They have a final hug. And this is framed really well. Oh, they good, they yeah. hug. And then Jeffrey comes walking up out of the frame behind Megan's back. So Jim can see him over Megan's shoulder. Mm-hmm. And as he, when he gets close enough, he reaches out his hand and Jim shakes his hand like congratulations <laughs> yeah. while 
hugging Megan. Yeah. Goodbye, Jim. Goodbye, Megan. Megan and Jeffrey walk away, but there's like a lingering handhold. Jim and Megan, their hands are still holding until she gets far enough away that it kind of pulls out of his hand. And then Jim's turns. In my notes, I say there's a freeze frame on his face that just says it all. Yeah, I have freeze frame on Jim feeling his feelings while birds chirp in the background. (laughs) Yeah, his his feelings are tumultuous. They are written on his features. Mm -hmm. He, again, is doing his best. He's not happy about it, but he is happy for her. Yeah. It's complicated, but also he knows it's the right thing. Uh, Yeah, that was a good episode. Now, we should probably talk about how this wedding uh, doesn't really jibe with the, the movie. <laughs> like we have, Yeah, so the movie, I mean, again, the movie is 20 years later. Yeah. It's a different story. Um, it is calling on their relationship, but it plays fast and loose with things as they were established like how old she is yeah her her dad isn't there at the wedding but i mean like that's fine whatever like we can assume her dad is there but off camera or whatever right right, you know like this i mean she mentions her sister yeah like she has sisters um but you know the biggest thing is like in the movie she's married to someone named adams yeah (laughs) not someone named smith there's that there's the age thing there's uh, we have uh, incongruity with the previous episode of the the cause of her blindness, but all of that, whatever. That's all continuity stuff, and that doesn't that really doesn't matter. Work. And also, it's not like she couldn't have gotten remarried. Like like you were saying, you may you know your little suspicions may have been right. Maybe he's not the right you yeah. know, match for her, <laughs> and it didn't work out right. Three notes from or two no. My second to last note is, I don't like this, Jeff, and I have no reason not to. <laughs> I know, I know. He's been nothing but, like, straightforward yeah. and upfront. Maybe he makes some some poor decisions or he's in over his head on some stuff, but that's mm-hmm. no different from anyone else. Uh, but, yeah. So we could, you know, headcanon that maybe things just didn't work out with yeah. him. And so, you know, she got remarried. The mystery, we've talked about this. The mystery is, like, whatever. They kind of stumbled through it. Uh, um, sorry, that doesn't... That doesn't characterize it correctly. It's not important to the whole thing. Right. It's important in terms of, like, if you're coming to watch The Rockford Files and mm-hmm. you don't get any of that stuff, you're probably going to be a little disappointed. And we need it to wedge Jim and Megan into emotional... Corners. Corners, yeah. yeah. and and Because otherwise they just say goodbye and that's yeah. the end of it. Yeah. Uh, but all of that, it's great. It's very bittersweet. Um, I, I enjoyed the episode... Uh, at the very end, we see Rocky. We talked about this a little bit. Uh, just like, yeah, Rocky's going to be at our wedding. In fact, <laughs> yeah. Rocky may have been invited to the wedding before Jim knew about the wedding. <laughs> like, <I can't. laughs> Rocky might have mentioned it, and Jim was like, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't get an invitation. Yeah. And Rocky's like, oh, I'm sure it just got lost in the mail. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but it would. I, I would have liked to see some uh, resolution for Rocky about this, right? Because <laughs> the previous episode... Before he even meets her, he's like, I feel like I'm going to really like her. And I think, and yeah, and Jim in the in the movie says, like, Rocky always really liked you. He's a great judge of character. Yeah. Um, I think maybe there's another piece of, you know, continuity headcanon we can make when Angel said, oh, that shrink you were bumping in the early 80s. Yes. <laughs> maybe, you know, things don't work out with Jeffrey yeah. and they have another, another go around. Yes, yes. That's possible. That's very possible. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that the 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 Megan trilogy uh, works out. I think it's a it, it's a, a nice. I think it's one of the yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably one of the 
strongest continuous characters. Yeah. And characters that we've seen in non-consecutive episodes that have an important role and are like the co-star, right? Yeah. She is one of the most fully realized and also one of the most consistent possibly both in both categories yeah. like the most in both categories yeah i'm gonna go a little bit out on a limb here and also say i kind of appreciated the order in which we watched them in like mm-hmm. i like ending on this one um when this one was done it was certainly meant to be yeah there's probably not a conception of like in 20 years we're right. gonna revisit exactly. this character yeah so it's got a great ending note to it and mm-hmm. also um Yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of fun to see, like, oh, here's a character who's Mm -hmm. from his past. We're going to deal with the now story, and Mm -hmm. then we'll go to the past. And then we'll have a short little coda, little ending, um, because, uh, you know, the other two are double length. And also the ending of the movie is a... It it leaves the door open for something to happen next. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, again, our experience of watching them is we saw four episodes worth of continuous yes <laughs> things happening and then a final episode where it just is like and they're done and they're done yeah and that is a very satisfying um that's a very satisfying way i mean we would have liked it the other way if we watched them mm-hmm. you know in order like we would have liked that too uh i think but uh yeah this was kind of uh this was kind of nice it it was it worked out well yeah yeah Pure accident. Purely by accident. None of us organize it. As accidental as pulling up to the police station and listening to... (laughs) Just in time to hear the (laughs) the one conversation you need to hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really good. So we don't have um, we don't have time today to do a, uh, an answering machine segment to talk about feedback. Uh, we'll do one in a couple weeks. Oh yeah, or in a couple episodes. But we did have a great comment from uh, patron uh, Jordan Brockelman, not Brockelman, mm-hmm. um, talking about the movie episode mm-hmm. where uh, I'm not going to pull it up right this second, and we'll we'll talk about it again when we do um, an answering machine, but. Uh, he says something to the effect of, while, you know, we talk about Jim and Beth, their whole thing, their whole thing is always inferred from how we see them in the episodes. Mm-hmm. While with Jim and Megan, we actually see yeah. the thing. Yes. The episodes are about them. And in that way, she's actually maybe I might be reading into what what Jordan said. So, you know, again, we'll talk about it for real next time. But um, at least that makes me think. In that way, Megan is actually a more fully realized uh, partner, like a more feel like I don't even want to say love interest because that's a little episodic. Uh, It's like a more fully realized um, character to compliment Jim romantically Mm -hmm. than even Beth. I don't know if that's 100 percent how I feel, but I think it's an interesting I think it's worth talking about. Yeah, but that, that okay. When we get to that, we'll we'll get to that. But that's, yeah, so uh, maybe we can chew on that while we're yeah. um, doing our other stuff in the next couple of weeks, and then we'll 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 reconvene on that comment uh, when we do an answering machine. I think it's a good comment, though. I think it, I, it, yeah, it's good food for thought. But yeah, I think I was just across the board, just so impressed with Catherine Harold and her mm-hmm. inhabitation of the character. Um, I haven't necessarily seen other stuff she's been in, so you know. I can't compare it to other work, but in this, in, in context of just the show, she's great. Uh, fun trivia note. She plays, um, to the book, to the book. This is from, uh, yeah, the Ed Robertson book. So earlier in this season, we did the episode lions, tigers, monkeys, and dogs, Mm -hmm. where we, 
I think, extolled at length the wonderful chemistry between Garner and uh, Lauren Bacall. Yeah. So a fun trivia note is that um, Catherine Harold plays Lauren Bacall in the 1980 made-for-TV biography Bogey about Humphrey Bogart. Ah. So there's a just a fun trivia note there. Yeah. <laughs> Combining all of the great Garner chemistry people. Right. Uh, into one continuity, into one... The the Gardner chemistry polygon. Polygon, yes. <laughs> Polycule. <laughs> the Gardner polycule is beginning. Oh, boy. All right. We probably don't need to get into that. But yeah, no. Uh, certainly an episode that's right in our wheelhouse where we're like, show us character. Yeah. Show us the emotional stuff. Show us the relationship stuff. If you're if you're just here for the car chases, apologies. Right. Uh, this is not this is not an episode for you, but it's I I think uh, otherwise it's just yeah, solid television. Good stuff made even better by the context of watching all of the other episodes right, yeah. before it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, I think that 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 uh, except for this later conversation we're going to have that we've already telegraphed, uh, I think that pretty much closes the door. Uh, if you will, on Megan Doherty and uh, and and her environs. Do you have anything else to to add? I just I just wish they'd at the end given us a little hint at what happened to the roller disco, mm. like if that was gonna <laughs> go through or not. But other mm. than that, I think. Mm. <laughs> well, we can't answer every single question. Yeah. So we need to leave some things for our imagination. <laughs> All right. Well. On that note, friends, thank you for joining us on this journey. I think it was unexpectedly delightful. Mm -hmm. um, so that's always great. Uh, now we have to figure out what we're doing next. <laughs> <laughs> but fear not, for we shall be back next time to talk about another episode of The Rockford Files. <laughs> 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 <laughs>